Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I am Pete. If you're a student or professional who is working in one of the STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, or mathematics, it's important that you be able to work effectively with lots of graphical data pretty often. And that can be particularly difficult for someone with a vision impairment. We'll speak with Daniel Hayesh, a blind graduate student who was experiencing those problems himself. And rather than just complain about it, he started the Graphiel Initiative, whose aim is to bring easy access of visual STEM data to blind and visually impaired students using several mechanisms. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Daniel. It varies on different nations, but in Hungary, lots of the vision impaired people actually can legally get an excuse not to attend mathematics or science classes, having said that it's too difficult for them. And I'm saying, no, it shouldn't be like that. We should just teach people how to use the existing tools, or if they, they are not good enough, then we should invent new tools and then, you know, give them the chance to learn mathematics and science and It's not just to become a professional scientist, to have a science career, but very often the mathematical thinking, the logic helps you in all walks of life, at least in my view. What a great attitude. I mean, really, the idea is that we don't need to make excuses anymore. Technologies have advanced enough to make lots of the web and information accessible by people who are visually impaired, and there really are no excuses not to be able to do similar things that sighted people do. And we need to be grateful to people who see a need and decide, maybe I can make the lives of many people easier, and while I'm at it, make my own life easier. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible by the Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, offering the 2018 New Venture Business Competition to help blind entrepreneurs turn their ideas into actual startups. More information and submission criteria is at www.hadley.edu nvc. And by eSight electronic glasses that help the legally blind see, be mobile, and engage in activities of daily living. More information about eSight can be found online at www.everyonedeservestosee.com. And if you're interested in supporting Eyes on Success with a promotional announcement about your own organization's services or resources, send an email to us at hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Let's start by meeting Daniel. Hello, everyone, and thanks again, Peter and Nancy, for having me the chance to speak here. So I'm Daniel Hayash, and I'm a PhD student at the University of Sussex in Brighton in the United Kingdom. And I'm also the CEO of Graphil, which is an initiative to support the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics education and engagement of visually impaired students or anybody who's interested in science, in fact. 
And what field is your PhD studies in? My PhD is in something called human-computer interaction, or HCI, as we often say. And in particular, I'm focusing on multisensory experiencing or multisensory interfaces. And within that, I focus on the sense of touch, so haptics. Most of our listeners have visual impairments. Do you? I do, indeed. I'm at the moment completely blind, and as it stands, it's probably going to stay like that. But it wasn't always like that. So I was born perfectly sighted. And then a few years later, I started to lose my sight. So for a couple of years, well, a good decade or so, I was uh, partially sighted. Just had to use magnifiers and then screen magnification and bits and pieces. And then around the age of 16, 17, my retina detached. So that's when I lost my sight completely. And what do you do for fun these days? What do I do for fun? Yeah, I know graduate school is a lot of work, but there must be some time for other activities. Uh, yeah, there must be. I don't know. Let me know if you find some. <laughs> <laughs> but no, jo- joke aside, I don't know. I really, I really enjoy what I do. I know it's a very cliche thing to say, but I really enjoy it. So it's kind of fun for me to go to work. And that's part of the reason why I shifted from doing theoretical physics into HCI, because, you know, it just I really enjoyed exploring the different technologies and interactions between people and, and technology. So that's one part of the fun. But then I also jog, so doing some sports. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is the Graphiel Initiative, which Daniel started. We were particularly interested, being retired physicists ourselves, in the work you were doing to promote the uh, sciences for the visually impaired and make it a little bit easier for them. And I thought maybe you can give us an overview of what your organization, Graphiel, does, and then we can talk more specifically about some of the projects you're involved in. Absolutely. What Graphiel does is really one mission or one overall vision and that's to support people like myself who are either just interested in science or actually want to study want to have a career in science but are limited by their vision they can't access the scientific resources as easily as their sighted peers we want to support them by offering practical support. So not just policies, but actual practical hand uh, either over the internet or let it be hardware solutions or even just uh, a friendly hand giving some advice. And what gave you the idea to set up this organization? You have this programming course. You have 12 weeks. You can come up with a project idea. So it just somehow in, you know, it was, it happened in all one week and it fell in place that why don't we actually make a a two-dimensional braille display where you don't have just one line of braille, but an array of dots to actually make tactile pixelated uh, images. So basically a tactile graphics display. That's a uh, substantial challenge. People have been working on full page displays and even less expensive single line displays for a long time. And it's, been quite a major hurdle to overcome. Did you have some different idea here? 
Not really. We were pretty ignorant. We just had the motivation. Of course, as we went into more literature review, so what are people doing? And of course, facing the problem of actuation, so the smart materials which actually make the tactile displays, we realized that this is really a project which can consume millions of dollars and it can, you know, consume up three to four or even a whole lab of researchers and we just didn't have the resources. So even though we, we built up a prototype just to explain the idea, we also had some business advice early on and it made us realize that we do want to make short-term impact and not just join a queue of people who say like, well, look, in five years' time, we'll have this amazing product for you. Mm-hmm. No, we said within five months, we want to have something maybe equally good for you. And that's how we started to think of other means of helping people. So what was the next one you worked on? The next one was IRIS, which is our image description service. So our motivation for that was that, all right, we can't quite make a digital device which converts images into a tactile image on the fly. But, you know, sometimes I don't need to because sometimes if I just go on a coding to let's say python where i want to sketch a diagram you know sometimes i just i'm not sure if my coding is doing what it's supposed to do and instead of printing out 10 times the wrong diagram until i managed to get all my script running as it should it would be nice just to have somebody look at it and describe to me all right so your red line is a bit upside down it's not correct so that's the motivation behind iris he wanted to connect a sighted pool of scientific volunteers over the internet with people who might need a quick scientific image description. And that's great to be able to see these images. I mean, that's a big advantage sighted people have. It's very easy to assimilate a lot of data and figure out the form of the data and you know what it's telling you if you can just see a picture of it. Sometimes it's very difficult to figure out the trends when you're looking at a table full of numbers and figure out what's going on. Exactly, yes. I mean, in science, I believe the scientific language, mathematics, and the symbolism is one huge aspect, and the other is the diagrammatic formation of data, the visualization of data sets, and that's, that's a huge field which we should probably address a bit more carefully for uh, visually impaired people. So your concept here basically then is to help blind people with the visual aspects where you can understand this graphical information a little bit better. Exactly. How did you decide to go about that then? How does this work? So the way it works now, I'm sure most of us, you, the listeners, are familiar with projects like the Be My Eyes. And we did a recent show on that. That was episode 1745, not too long ago. All right. Perfect. So the idea was, or the starting point we would like to use for Iris is, imagine a bit like Be My Eyes, but science edition of it. So our value proposition is that if I might be using Be My Eyes for my homework using, let's say, Feynman diagrams, I might be connected to a volunteer who is in a position to describe it to the level I need it. So we, on one hand, build up a very specific community of people with a scientific background in different fields. So let it be molecular or theoretical physics, and they really know their diagrams. That's one side of the coin. And the other side of the coin is that we wanted to develop something for 
web browsers for your computer, basically. So most of these uh, apps like Be My Eyes or Seeing AI or TapTapSee or a few more, they mainly exist on smartphone applications because that's the logical thing to do. It's much more convenient to have your phone and a camera. But in our case, we were thinking of students who receive image files from their teacher, the lecturers, let it be a PowerPoint slide with a graph on it, which they you know, just want to upload on their computer and, and get a, a more detailed response what it looks like. As you're saying, be my eyes, you'd get some general person. They may not be a theoretical physicist. They wouldn't be able to accurately describe a Feynman diagram. That's a little beyond most people. So you really need an expert for something like that. Yes, 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 yes. What's the current status of Iris? At the moment, I can only upload images from my uh, local storage on my computer and, and share it with people all over the globe. But our ultimate aim for this, and which we think will be more useful for more people, is basically a plugin for the web uh, pages or websites. So if I go on, I don't know, nasa.gov and have a publication with some images online, I should be able to have almost like a Facebook share button, but a Graphil Iris button where I can instantly click on it, share the image directly from the site and get the description back. So essentially, you click on this and it goes to a volunteer with the questions you might have about the image. And then hopefully shortly after that, you get a response saying this is what the picture is like? Exactly. Yeah. So it sounds like you've essentially been in the testing phase of this in your own environment there. How has this been working so far? How have you seen this being received? We set up a site on WordPress we had on board around 50, 60 volunteers from about 10 different universities. Again, mainly physics and mathematics uh, professors or students. And then we had about 10 visually impaired users as, as a test base. So that was happening in 2016, November, and the feedback cycle went until about April. And then that's where we realized that, wow, we, we do have to scale this up and do a really professional service behind it because that was the time when our amazing Tim Lingard, the developer of Iris, he also started his PhD and started to learn about web development tools, which are much more efficient than our very first beta version. So instead of slowly adding fixes and new features to the original beta, what he said, look, I'm just going to start from scratch, take a new white sheet and do it in a completely new language, completely new infrastructure. Just give me, you know, maybe a year and it will be so much better. So that's where we are now. He's coming up to the sort of end of this one year and we are coming closer to the second beta, which is uh, it should be much more usable. There's a big difference between running a small test experiment in your lab versus scaling this to the world. It's got to yeah. be pretty robust to survive people beating on it from all over the place. Exactly. Yeah, that's what we are trying to prepare for. So is this next round of testing going to also focus on physics and math, or are you branching out to other sciences? No, we aim to branch out. What we are trying to do is we already have a very good connection just because of our background to physics and maths faculty. But then we already started to branch out to biology and chemistry 
those are the basic four. But then on our shortlist, we have psychology, computer science, and just a sort of miscellaneous category where people can upload images, which is related to science, but not exactly fitting into any specific category. So this is aiming towards things a little bit more technical, not just someone sending in a picture saying, what does this dress look like? Because I want to buy this dress off of Amazon. No, 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 no. We actually want to limit our use case to scientific fields. It doesn't have to be just uh, hard science. So it can be statistical data from psychology or economics and, and things like that. But we explicitly say in our guidelines that, look, you shouldn't upload photos of your cute puppy here because that's not the platform for that. So you've been through your first beta cycle, which was pretty small, and you learned about scaling up the project. It sounds like you're going through another beta cycle pretty soon. Yeah. What is your long-term aspiration? How do you think this will work? Will this be something similar to Be My Eyes, where there's a bunch of volunteers out there and it'll be run all over the world, or what? Yes, so definitely what we want to do is to offer this as a plugin to web developers. So even those people who don't actually have access to a lecturer or teacher to give them the content they might need to learn, but simply want to browse some interesting topics on on Wikipedia or so, then they can just go online and still learn about science in a way that it's inclusive. They have access to the images as well. And of course, in the beginning, we we wish to start branching out to English-speaking countries. But having said that, we already have a partnership with uh, Hungary, and I'm hoping for a few more countries to join in quickly uh, after this, because essentially what it takes is really just to build up the local community of scientists, students, educators, and of course, translating the service, but that shouldn't take too long. And I gather from your website that you have special interest in Hungary, because that's where you're originally from. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you think will it take? to support this project long-term? If you develop it as a plug-in, you can hand it out for free, but sometimes it requires support or, you know, as things change in the browsers. Do you expect this to be an open-source thing or do you have some kind of funding model? Will it be free? What we are aiming for is models that some projects already adapted is that not necessarily ask the users themselves to pay for it, but rather ask for educational institutions or anybody who is responsible for science education being accessible to all to purchase a set of licenses, therefore uh, giving us some space to maintain the service and, of course, offer the licenses to the users. Now, if that doesn't quite work out or it's not um, up to the expectations then we might have to introduce some some kind of a financial model. For example, what uh, Bookshare is doing that, let's say, in England, it might be free for the local students. Uh, but then, internationally speaking, people might have to have an annual fee or monthly fee or even just, you know, a set of like, all right, you can buy a package of, of 100 images and use it as you best like. And I guess these are things you learn with time and usage to see how it's accepted. I mean, even the New York Times had a juggle for a long time about what they were giving away for free versus what people were paying for in terms of subscriptions. 
Exactly. I mean, here really what, what really should be just said that we classify ourselves as a not-for-profit enterprise, a social enterprise. But again, even charities and social enterprises have costs which we need to cover. But of course, we don't want to put the pressure on our users, but instead those who are actually responsible for accessible material creation. So you said that the initial idea came out of your efforts to think about making a full-page Braille display. And on your website, that project is called Midas. And I also see on your website some references to consulting. I was wondering how much of that you're doing these days, consulting, and has this Midas project continued in some sense? So what it looks like at the moment, we have Iris, which is definitely our flagship project. It takes up maybe 90% of our active time. That's what we want to get out to people as soon as we can. Now, Midas is... In terms of research and development of the actual full-page Braille display or tactile display, we decided to temporarily pose them because of uh, lack of resources. However, it's still, in a sense, running as my PhD research and a future, let's say, career interest is in tangible interfaces, in haptics, in data physicalization. So that's actually where my academic background would fit in the best in, into the Project Midas. But that's, that's sort of just in the background at the moment. It's not something we'll output uh, in the recent time anything uh, from. And then the consultancy and training. What we aim for at the moment mainly is partnerships. So we have a project again in Hungary with the IT Foundation of the Visually Impaired. We worked on a project which is a ebook preparation system. So it would take a text file and they can convert it into an EPUB or MP3 file, which existed for a few years. But then recently they wanted to enable this ebook preparation system and convert it into verbal speech. So essentially you get a mathematics textbook in an audio format. The other big problem is that very often people are not aware of what uh, accessibility means in science and what tools are already there or how to use them. It's often actually not trivial, so we can't really blame people. And that's why we set a contract that Grafiel, working with the IT Foundation, is uh, putting together some uh, tutorial materials. So, you know, a basic introduction to how to use LaTeX if you're a teacher, why is it, this is going to benefit your visually impaired student, and, and a few bits and pieces there. Oh, great. And you're an ideal person to be involved in that since you studied physics, you're involved in sciences, and uh, now you can help other people succeed in science also. Well, yeah, I'm trying to be helpful as much as I can. From the way you've described these projects, they sound like way too much work for one person. Who else do you have working on your team? We have Tim Lingard, who is an amazing person in the team. He is the father of Iris. He is developing it from A to Z. He does all the hard work. So if you are going to become a user of Iris, let it be volunteer or uh, visually impaired person, you will see the work of Tim. So just do thank him. Uh, now we have David Turner, who was the first person in the team. And he was the man who, again, from A to Z, uh, built our first proof of concept for a full-page Braille display. It was using 3D printed modules and server motors, very bulky, 
but he showed people who were interested in us what it should look like, what's the working principle. And the latest member of the team, Lynn Bolt Christmas, she is also coming from our physics department at Sussex, and she's taking care of all our communications. So our newsletters, our blog, our social media. So all the information you see from us is coming out of her pen. She is a massive talent in, in science writing. And, and of course, there's myself, but I just kind of say people like, ah, can we please do this? It would be so amazing. And then these amazing guys do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, good luck with that. Now for this week's final item, how to get more information about Graphiel and its ongoing work, including how to sign up as a user of or volunteer with IRIS. So if people would like to find out more about the Graphiel project and some of the work that is going on, where would you send them? Definitely checking our website because that's the platform we try to keep the most up to date and put the relevant things there. So it's grafiel.com. So it's G-R-A-P-H-E-E-L.com. We run a blog. And of course, if you're already on the website, you will find uh, our social media channels, which on one hand can be Twitter, which is our most used one. And that's at Grafiel team, so G-R-A-P-H-E-E-L, capital T-E-A-M. That's our Twitter handle. And if you want, you are also welcome to sign up for our newsletter. And how would somebody sign up for your newsletter? So if, again, they go on the website, they will find it in the footer. There is a link to sign up to our newsletter. And if somebody, either with a visual impairment who wanted to sign up to be a user of the service or somebody who was sighted who wanted to sign up as a volunteer, where would they go? If you're really interested in Iris, either as a volunteer or as a visually impaired user, just drop us a line on contact at graphiel.com and we'll make sure to respond in person and sign you up into the relevant place. They won't be currently able to access uh, the services is still development. So if somebody wanted to reach you personally, how would they do that? If you want to get in touch with me, just, you know, to have a friendly chat on how I did with my physics degree with, with no site or, you know, just uh, generally chat, you can reach me on my email, which is my most reliable point of contact. And that's daniel at graphiel.com. So that's D-A-N-I-E-L at G-R-A-P-H-E-E-L dot com. Or you can also follow my Twitter account, which is at Daniel underscore H-A-J-A-S, which is my surname. I tend to post mainly uh, work-related things, so either related to my PhD, multisensory HCI, haptics, or around Graphile. So I try to keep it fairly career-oriented. And as usual, for any of that contact information, you can go to the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. 
That's it for show number 1809. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about accessible products from Amazon. Amazon has been pursuing a long-range plan to incorporate improved accessibility into all of their products with features like voice view, braille support, and speech recognition. We'll speak with Peter Korn, Director of Accessibility at Amazon, about the accessibility of Amazon's devices and online content they're creating for the vision impaired. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.